What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Bleeding B&G Podcast, episode 93. So I guess you can call this our Jonathan Allen episode. Shout out to my man, Jonathan Allen, because he got a sack today. Uh, to give you a timestamp, as I do for every episode, it's about 11.20 on Sunday, September the 10th, 2023. And before we get too much deeper into this episode, I need you to hit that like, I need you to hit that comment, and I need you to hit that subscribe button, especially if you're checking this out on YouTube. Um, we're on the road to 1K. Um, I got a lot more giveaways, but the ultimate giveaway, remember guys, we're still doing that Road to 1K subscriber giveaway, but I'll be sending one lucky Bleeding B&G fan to a Commander game. Um, that'll be announced at a later date once we hit that 1,000 subscriber mark. But let's get into the nitty gritty of this episode. As I said, episode 93, I'm going to title this Winning Ugly. I'm going to title this one Winning Ugly as the Commanders defeated the Arizona Cardinals week one of the 2023 season. 20 to 16. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and get through this episode, man, uh, because it wasn't much to it. Um, I think actually it was a lot of fanfare, um, a lot of excitement um, with you know the new ownership group, with the new era, with Dan Snyder being gone. Uh, FedEx Field was crazy. FedEx Field, the atmosphere was crazy in FedEx Field. I'm actually gonna be doing a vlog some point this week. Uh, one of our first vlogs, um, we did a vlog a couple years ago when I went on the field. Um, to kick a field goal, you know, your boy won that contest. Uh, if you guys can remember, my day one bleeding B&G fans definitely remember that one. Um, but I definitely did a week one vlog, um, but the atmosphere um, was crazy. Um, I, I've never, I've never, I'm not even going to say never, uh, in my adulthood, I've never seen FedEx Field that packed. Um, I was a senior in high school in 2012, and I only remember getting to one game that year. Um, and that was actually, I think, the game that Robert got hurt. His first injury, it was against the Atlanta Falcons. That was the only game I went to that year. Um, and it was pretty packed then, but that was before they went on their run. So it wasn't like today. Um, guys, it was packed. Like, sold out meant sold out. Standing room only meant standing room only. And it was 95 to 5% ratio commander or redskin, whatever you wanted to be today. You know, we started Hill to the Redskin chance today. We got John Riggins showing the old logo on the big screen. We ain't know if we wanted to be commanders, football team, football team members, or or Redskins today. Like, like it was crazy. But the ratio was ninety-five to five, and it was a beautiful thing to see. Um, but let's get into this game. Like I said, I titled this "Winning Ugly" because it was an ugly win. I'll be a fool and I'll be a liar if I went if I didn't tell you that you know I was I was cheerful. And I thought that we were in a good place at halftime when we were trailing the tanking Arizona Cardinals, right? But there were some things that, you know, I thought about this team that showed its rare head today. And it's some things that, you know, have me confident um, going into, you know, the latter part of the season or going into week two. Um, because there's some things about this win um, and about this team that I'm still skeptical about. And I'll get into those in this episode as well. But always as we start, we start with the quarterback, man. Sam Howell, he was 19 for 31 for 202 yards. He had two total touchdowns. One passing touchdown, one rushing touchdown, and two total turnovers. He had an interception um, that was on what? The, the what? He was inside his 20-yard line, and then he had a fumble that resulted in the uh, in a touchdown. And that was my biggest concern or my biggest problem with the turnovers is that where they happened. Um, he had both of those turnovers inside Arizona's or inside our 20-yard um, line, um, and Arizona scored on both of those drives. One of them resulting in a touchdown on the exact play. 
Uh, Sam started good. You know, the connection with uh, Jahan Dotson was evident early. He hit Jahan Dotson in his first pass of the game. But, but once he hit that, he, once he hit that, once he took, excuse me, you can tell it's late. You can tell I had a couple of brewskis up there at FedEx Field. Trust me, it was, it was, it was live today. It was live. But let me get my thoughts together. Let me get my thoughts together. Once, you know, he got hit by that dirty-ass hit by Kaiser White, I don't know why he wasn't ejected out the game. I'm not going to lie. I think that that hit affected Sam a little bit. You know, he did go into the tent um, to get looked at by the medical staff, even though he was in there for all of 30 seconds. And whatever test that they, that they asked him to do, they probably asked Sam how to count to three. Like, that was the quickest concussion test I've ever seen in my life. But he was back out there, and he looked rather erratic and rather skittish in the pocket for the rest of that game. And that wasn't the only hit. Um, there was another hit on the sideline where he was um, hit late, uh, and the refs let that go. It was to a point where I tweeted out. I was like, I tweeted at NFL officiate. I was like, so we're just going to keep letting the Arizona Cardinals hit our players out of bounds, right? It got to a point where they like the refs didn't even want to call it because it was happening so frequently. And they had Sam looking erratic and skittish in the pocket. Not only that, but our putrid offensive line had Sam looking skittish and erratic in the pocket as well. Um, some things that Sam needs to tighten up, though. He holds on to the ball way too long. Way too long. He pats it, pats it, pats it, going through his reads. It's a beautiful thing that he likes to work all his reads. But with this offensive line, he has to understand that he cannot do this. And this was one of the criticisms I had of Scott Turner last year was these long-developing passing plays. And it seemed that after the Antonio Gibson fumble that we'll touch on, uh, Eric Bieniemy got in his Scott Turner bag a little bit. He got away from the run game, which, I mean, I kind of understand because Antonio Gibson is not that guy. I'm just starting to think that Antonio Gibson will not be a thing in Washington, guys. No matter how much we want him to be a thing, I'm just starting to believe that he's not that guy. Shit, I'm already there. I'm already there. That's how I'm rocking this season, man. That's how I'm rocking with this season. I'm like, I'm like Josh Harris Jr. I'm like Josh Harris Jr. If you're not rocking with me this season, if you're not showing that you need to stay, you can go. You can definitely go. But going back to Sam Howell, um, yeah, the law development pass plays. He was pat, 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 patting the ball. Might as well call that boy Pat Patty Mahomes the way he was patting that ball. And he takes so, so deep drops. And I know the reason why is because he's all of 5'11", right? And he can't see off of, he's over his offensive line with a regular 5-3-7 to step, five, three to seven step drop. Um, and, you know, that's some of the disadvantages you get with a short quarterback. You know, we have to move the pocket. Unfortunately, we cannot move the pocket um, with the likes of, you know, you see the Arizona Cardinals doing with the likes of, you know, um, Kyler Murray when he's healthy. Or you saw Drew, um, the Seattle Seahawks doing with, you know, Russell Wilson early in his career. A lot of bootlegs, a lot of moving the pocket. Well, you can't do that when your offensive line is getting battered like they did today, allowing six sacks. Um, but Sam showed some good things as well. He showed some composure, even though he did look a little um, erratic. I think that the um, drive right before half, um, where they got some um, points, I thought that, you know, that was big. That was crucial. That was a crucial three points in the game. That was the difference between you going down in the halftime, what, down by three points and down by six. That was a big. That was, that, was, that was huge, especially after those two turnovers. That was probably my favorite part of Sam Howell's performance today. And another thing that I wanted to mention about Sam Howell is that 
guys, Sam Allen's fast, right? And I don't want to give him the sneaky athletic, the lunch pail guy tab that we give all the white guys, guys. Uh, all the white guys, um, you know, I'm the, we're, we're, we love all over here at Bleeding Me and G. But you guys know exactly what I'm talking about during draft season. When they say he's a high IQ guy, he's, he has deceptive speed. He's sneaky athletic. Sam is a sneaky athletic. I got, I got it. Sam has running like he's scared speed. I tweeted it today. And it's something that you cannot measure in a 40-yard dash, right? And he showed it on his touchdown run. And Sam gets out of things that I really don't expect a guy that runs, what, a 4940 to get out of. But when he's getting pursued, or when he's getting pursued, and when he's getting chased down, Sam Howell gets out of it. More often than not, he got running like he's scared speed. Sam Howell is running like he's scared speed. And I love the way, and it, and it, and it shows itself in a play like where he extends the, uh, the play on the touchdown to Brian Robinson, right? He slides out to his left, throws a, a crossbody throw. At that point, I thought that we were going to get the ball rolling. I thought that we were lit. But then the offense, offensive line reared his ugly head. Sam wasn't moving the pocket as much. Held the ball a little longer. But we got the job done. I did, as I mentioned, one of my favorite um, parts of his game was the drive right before half, and I also liked the game-winning drive. I also liked the game-winning drive. He made a couple big throws on that, um, on that drive, and he was in command of the huddle. He was definitely in command of the huddle. But going into this run game, this putrid run game, 92 yards. I already told you Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson loves fumbling in week one, guys. He did it against the Los Angeles Chargers in 2021, if you can remember. And then Brian Robinson missed the 3.1 yards per carry. 19 carries for 59 yards is not going to get it done. Making me look foolish when I say that he might have top five running back in the league production. These guys, <laughs> and you guys let me know if I'm wrong on this. And I'm trying to keep the vibes high, you know, want to know, you know, new era, new ownership group. Positive vibes at FedEx Field and things like that. But, and I used to say it with Antonio Gibson, but Brian Robinson seems to have the case of this as well. These guys just run into their offensive linemen backs. And let me know if you guys see what I'm seeing. I think that they're just running straight into their offensive linemen's back because they believe that, you know, they know that their offensive line is not going to get any push, especially in the interior, especially Charles Leno in the run game. So they're just taking what they can get, running into their offensive linemen's back and just driving. You see no vision, and Brian Robinson showed exceptional vision coming out of Alabama. He showed exceptional vision last year. But I've told you, Antonio Gibson's been running in the lineman backs for the last four seasons, and Brian Robinson showed me a shade of that today. He showed me a shade of running up the lineman's backsides today. And I hope that he doesn't get into that habit. But I, as I mentioned, I think that they do that because they know that the offensive line isn't going to get any push, so they like their chances. They just simply like their chances running up off his alignment's ass. Pause. Super pause. Super duper pause. That was crazy. Whoa. It's late. <laughs> it's late. But, I mean, I still feel like we don't have a dynamic rusher, right? Still don't feel like we don't have a dynamic rusher, somebody that's going to, that provides that burst, um, that somebody's going to break through the second um, level and can have home run hitting ability. Don't tell me Antonio Gibson is that guy. You've seen run, home, run, hit, and play from Antonio Gibson in four years. I don't care what the 40 time is. Antonio Gibson probably will never run that 4-3-9 ever again in his life. 
At that four three nine was fifteen pounds ago for Antonio Gibson. Nobody on this roster has the burst. I love Chris Rodriguez. They use him at fullback today. So that shows you that the skill sets between him and Brian Robinson are redundant. We have no dynamic guy in, in, in the past game. We have no dynamic guy coming out the backfield. I thought that Eric Bieniemy was going to unlock that with Antonio Gibson. As I mentioned before, I'm just starting to believe that he'll never be a thing in Washington. And it's so sad to see. It's so sad to see. Because this is a guy that we had a lot of high hopes for. You guys forget that 2020 draft class between Chase Young and Antonio Gibson, we had a lot of high hopes for that draft class. We had a lot of high hopes for that draft class. And who would have thought in 2020 the best player to come out of that draft would have been Cam Curl? Who would have thought that in April of 2020, right? It wasn't much to talk about in the past game. Curtis Samuel led all receivers, five receptions for 54 yards. Jahan and uh, Sam had a nice connection early. There was nowhere to be found in the second half. Sam started seeing a couple ghosts, and he missed Jahan um, early. I mean, he missed Jahan (laughs) a couple of times in the second half. But he also missed the army wide open in the first half. And me and Rio Robinson were talking about it on the walk back home. I think that if he would have hit, and I think that the pass actually ended up being a moderate completion. I think it might have been like a 12-yard gain to Jahan Dotson. But I think that if he would have hit De'Ami Brown on that fly route when he was wide open on that same pass, I think that just would have opened up the floodgate. Sam's confidence would have been different. He would have been as erratic. He would have been as skittish. It was right before the Kaiser White hit. The confidence would have been there. He would have had a 70-yard touchdown on his books. And I think the game script would have been completely different. That's what they say when football down comes down to a couple plays. If you were in the stadium today, you know exactly what I'm talking about. De'Ami Brown was wide, 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 wide ass butt, butt naked open. But it was almost as if Sam Howell just didn't want to throw the ball. And not in the terms of, like, not trying to get it to him. Just in the terms of being safe. He took the safe route. He didn't know if he could get it to him. That's what it looked like to me from from my angle. And it's somebody that we've been, you know, talking about his arm strength all season. And you saw it um, all offseason. And you saw it in the play where, you know, he pushed the ball downfield to Terry McClure for a pass interference. Good things happen when you push the ball downfield, guys. I need more of it. I need more of it. So the passing game was pretty inept. And, I mean, that covers it up for the offense. I mean, the offensive line, what can I say, man? What can I say about the offensive line? Uh, Sam Cosby played decent until he had a concussion. But that's the problem with Sam Cosby. He can never stay healthy. Sam Cosby's the only lineman that gets pushed in the run game. Nick Gates on occasion. Andrew Wiley fucking sucks, bro. Andrew Wiley fucking sucks, bro. He is not an NFL starter. And guess what? You should have known that when he was pressed as hell to sign for $8 million on the first day of free agency. He knew nobody else was giving him that bag. This is a starting NFL tackle that was geeking to sign for $8 million. 
on the open market on the first day of free agency. Newsflash, guys, that's not a lot of money for starting NFL tackles. But guess what? Andrew Wiley knew. Andrew Wiley knew he was not getting that bag anywhere else. But other than with his boy, Eric Bieniemy, And I would hate to have to put that on Eric Bieniemy because we did need an upgrade at right tackle. But shit. But shit. There's no way that you're not telling me that um, Cornelius Lucas is not playing at least half as good as that. I refuse to believe it. I refuse to believe it. Charles Leno played de- decent today in pass uh, protection, but as I mentioned, he, ne- he he the day Charles Leno gets pushed in the run game will be the first day that Charles Leno ever got pushed in the run game. And that'll do it. I mean, that'll do it for the offense. Um, hopefully, you know, they come out better. You know, they got the win, though, so I don't want to be too negative. Hopefully, they come out better, though, against the Denver Broncos, who, you know, hold a pretty strong defense and a pretty good front seven. But moving on to the defense, man, the defense was as advertised, right? The defense was as advertised, you know, Let's start the Montez Sweat Defensive Player of the Year campaign now. If I need to be the president of that fan club, you know my guy J.D. McKissick is gone. I will be. I will be. Montez Sweat played like a man possessed today. Montez Sweat deserves NFL Defensive Player of the Week honors. Five tackles, two of them for laws, one and a half sacks, two forced fumbles. Montez Sweat saw that Nick Bosa contract. Give Montez Sweat all the money on if he's going to keep playing like this. Give him all the monies. Give him all the money. And the D-line was as advertised. You know, John Allen got his sack. The only thing that I didn't like about the D-line, and it's something that we saw last season, and it's something that we've seen since the, the the integration of this Jack Del Rio defense. Any defensive end outside of Montez Sweat, Chase Young included, gets crashed down. The weakest part of our defense is the outside run defense. We can't be letting guys like James Conner. James Conner, oh, plotting slow foot ass. We can't be letting guys like that beat us to the outside. That's the weakest part of this defense. And when you get later and later into the season... When teams start recognizing tendencies and it gets colder outside, that's what they're going to do. That's what they're going to do. Our linebackers played decent today. Jamin Davis came downhill all game. Started with the first play. Please let your disrespect, please let your apologies be as loud as your disrespect. Jamin Davis played a hell of a game today. Even if it didn't show up on the stat sheet, he was flying around all game. Now, is he living up to that first round pick? I'll let you decide. But for the people that's been bashing him for the last three years, Jamin Davis showed up today. Our defensive backs were sticky in coverage all day. I think that we have the best safety conglomerate because there's so many of them in the NFL. Cam Curl balled out today. Percy Butler is like a bat out of hell. 
Percy Butler is fast as shit. Seeing him track down ball carriers is a sight to see. It's a sight to see. But guess what? We got to catch the ball, man. We got to catch the ball. Cam Curl and Percy Butler dropped interceptions today. And Coach Curl, Cam's that. I love you. I love you. And as soon as Cam made that, it was a hell of a play in the end zone. You tweeted that the price went up. My God, the price would have been up even more if he could, if he took that ball back. We got that's what I, we was working on all, all season. I've been telling everybody that Cam gonna have eight turnovers this year. It could have started there. Emmanuel Forbes was sticky in coverage all day. The leading receiver on the on the Cardinals was Rondell Moore with thirty three yards. That should tell you everything you need to know about our pass coverage today. He stuck his nose in there in the run game when he needed to, and then he showed up big on essentially the game-winning play on fourth down. He played like a first-round corner today. It just is what it is. The defense was as advertised. They didn't allow offensive touchdown. They allowed nine points to Josh Dobbs. I would love to have dominated and mollywopped them like the damn Dallas Cowboys did the New York Giants today. But guess what? It's week one. It's week one. I'm sure we'll get one of those defense, dominant defensive performances this season. But that'll do it for this episode of the Bleeding BNG Man podcast. As I said before, please, if you're checking us out on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe. On the road to 1K. If you're checking us out on audio-only platforms like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave a rate and review. That's how we finesse these algorithms so that Bleeding B&G is the number one content hub that you find when you search anything Washington Commanders. And as always, stay tapped into our social media pages. Our X page is at Bleeding B&G. That's B-L-E-E-D-I-N-B-N-G. So there's only one G in our X page. And our Instagram is at Bleeding B-N-G, B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G, B-N-G. So there's two Gs in our Instagram page. And as always, I'm coming with a lot of content, coming with the vlog. We're going to do a reaction video. You know, y'all been loving them reaction videos. So we're going to be coming out with a reaction video probably tomorrow, the vlog some point this week. And I might get a little film review out for you. So be tapped into the page, man. As always, subscribe, and I'll check in on you guys later. Peace.